Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. And the question has been asked, does Proposal 2 render national popular vote unconstitutional in the state of Michigan? Before Congress or the United States Supreme Court, the national popular vote faces a roadblock, which is the Michigan Constitution. Now, James has been writing about how there are efforts in Michigan to render the national popular vote, or at least here in the state, to get rid of it. So let's talk a little bit more about James David Dixon, who's the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. You can follow him on Twitter at DownI75. And James, this is something you and I have talked about a couple of times. We have. There are a lot of folks who are a little nervous about this because this was written in the Constitution to give the Idahos and North Dakotas, if you will, the same opportunity that California, New York, and so on have. Yeah. So, I mean, we've had the Electoral College in America since the first presidential election. So whenever you hear people say, oh, this Electoral College is this terrible system and it's so old, that's actually a feature, not a bug. And so, you know, it was good enough for George Washington. It's been good enough for the Constitution. And if people have an issue with it, the process is to try to amend the Constitution and abolish the Electoral College. There is no such movement in America. The closest they come is national popular vote, which would use the Electoral College, but go around it. Talk a little bit about Proposal 2, which was passed by Michigan voters last year. Yeah, so Proposal 2, at the meta level, the idea of it was to limit the power of the legislature to kind of remake election policy in a big way. And so it created Article 2, Section 7 in the Michigan Constitution, which says only the votes cast in the election can decide who wins an election. Okay, so, you know, the legislatures can't do it. An elector can't have their own conscience and do it. You can't say I'm personally loyal to this person. The only piece of evidence you can be guided by is by the votes of the people of Michigan. And so that's not what House Bill 4156 would do. House Bill 4156, the Michigan National Popular Vote Bill, if Michigan becomes a national popular vote state, you could lose the state and still win. You actually wouldn't even have to appear on the Michigan ballot to get all of our electoral votes, Mm. just as long as you won nationwide. Mm -hmm. So that could mean if a party saw fit and really wanted to win and it's all about winning they could just disassociate themselves from some of the votes in some of the states or you could field 15 candidates and make sure your candidate winds up being the tallest midget there's no (laughs) advantage to doing that in a winner takes all system but in a system where votes are pledged to this interstate compact Now you're open to these machinations because it's not the vote of the people in those states that matters anymore. James, there are a lot of people in the state of Michigan who believe that the state's already been lost, that the Democrats obviously are in the governor's office and they hold the Senate as well as the House by pretty good majorities and that Republicans may never get a chance to get it back, especially when you look at all the dysfunction in the current Republican Party with less than 90K in the bank, with 
<laughs> elections coming just next year with infighting that has led to basically fistfights. That adds on uh, fuel to the fire that this state's gone and the Democrats may never lose it. What do you think? I mean, you know, when you look 40 years ago, Democrats ran it then and people at that time thought they would run it forever. And then they lost control of the legislature, at least the whole thing, for 40 years. And they're just now getting it back. So, you know, depending on which side of that 40 years you came in on, it would seem like whatever was happening was inevitable and could never be changed. And what happened in both cases? It changed. So things are always going to be changing. There's parties who are going to get weaker and stronger. The Michigan GOP is especially weak, historically weak right now. But Democrats in the legislature only have two seat advantages in the House and in the Senate. So that's flippable, even without a strong party. If people support candidates individually, it's about getting 56 into the House and 20 into the Senate, and you control those bodies. This is doable. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more, not only about the national popular vote and House Bill 4156, but I want to talk a little bit with you about what you see in the media and how we're covering these stories. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Welcome to Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor of the Michigan Capital Confidential. We've been talking a little bit about his opinion piece about Proposal 2 and does Prop 2 render the national popular vote unconstitutional in our state? Before we talk a little bit more about that, James, I just wanted to talk with you a little bit about the Republican Party. I was at the state convention, and I'm telling you, you talk about dysfunction. The most popular person at the convention, take a wild guess who that might be, James. I honestly have no idea. Unless Donald Trump was there, I mean, does the Michigan Republican Party even have a single superstar right now? It really doesn't. And the person that I'm going to tell you about was having a multitude of people come up and take photos with him. And it was the My Pillow guy. No. Like, what was he yes. doing? He's not, he doesn't even live in Michigan, does he? He was walking down the aisles. He was shaking hands. He was talking with people. He was the most well known and the most popular figure there. And as someone who just sat and watched, what I will tell you is that you could see the dysfunction coming because I think the difference between the Democratic Party and perhaps the independents and the Republicans, and you see this with the National Party too, I think, winning doesn't matter. Getting what you want, having your ego taken care of, 
that matters as opposed to, okay, we have to get together as a team. We have to raise a lot of money. We have to not exclude anyone if we're going to win. And it's quite evident that the Grand Rapids side of things with the Michigan Republican Party has been set to the side and all that money that comes with that. And there's this division between Trumpers and never Trumpers. And then the people who have been elected recently weren't elected by popular vote. And probably the person who could have raised the most money and made them the most physically solvent was not elected. So they're a mess. They're just a mess. It is a mess. It's tough to even see the way back because it's tough to see how we got here. It's only possible to get here when everyone is disconnected from the task at hand. Mm -hmm. Like you said, no one's thinking big about winning or taking back the state. No one's doing this as if, you know, they have kids who live here and they need the future to work. It's all personal gain and vanity. And anytime it's centered around that, you're going to see a failing culture. What are you hearing from your readers and from other people when it comes to talking about the national popular vote, you know, and this House bill? Do you think enough of us know about it? Do you think we in the media have been putting that information out there so people can make informed decisions? Definitely not. You know, I was on uh, TV. I was on Let It Rip. With Roop Raj talking about it. We had Carrie Reingens, who's the sponsor of House Bill 4156. We had Charlie Langton, the co-host, you know, and I did not get the sense that this was a well-known idea. You know, when you watch Charlie's Man on the Street segment, there's a lot of people who didn't really seem to have heard about it. No one could really expand on what the idea was. They don't even know what you mean by national popular vote. And they don't know that that is actually a different thing than just saying whoever gets the most votes should win. Mm -hmm. You know, because even if they eliminated the Electoral College and just said, let's go by a straight popular vote, even that would not create what House Bill 4156 does, which is a dynamic where you could lose a state and get all of its votes. It still mm -hmm. wouldn't do that. So it's actually worse than if they were attempting a straight-up repeal or abolition of the Electoral College. You know, James, I think there's a huge challenge in the media, too, as we've become more folks of social media, and I'm one of those people. And as opposed to reporting the news, the news is out there so fast, we're put in positions where we want to talk about it more. And I think we're so caught up in making noise as opposed to reporting that we forgot about that. And the last week or so, I have just been absorbing as much radio, TV, and print media here in the state, and it amazes me at how much MAGA Republicans are, is used, the squad, libs. I mean, we in the media aren't talking enough about the news itself, the stories themselves. Why do you think that is? Well, I work at a policy shop, and I know that not everyone wants to talk about the actual ins and outs of things, you know, getting people to read a bill is a real challenge. And that's something we've invested in at Michigan Capital Confidential is a literate audience, an audience that actually reads the primary documents that you link to. And I always tell people, you know, if you see what I've linked, if you read that document differently, you know, feel free to say something. Whereas a lot of people will write about a bill and not even link it. 
because they want you to live in this world of spin and who said what and not in this world of what the thing actually does. And also discussing and dissecting ideas instead of getting personal. If I disagree with James David Dixon on something, I'm going to say that's my brother. I respect him. But on this topic, I disagree. And here's why. I'm not going to say, man, that dude needs to get off of I-75 because he's crazy. But it seems like that's the world we live in in the media now. Well, and that's who they tend to quote is the people who are out in the public square shouting. And so only the loudest voices in the room get quoted when that's actually not many of us. We're talking with James David Dixon, who is with Michigan Capital Confidential. He actually is the managing editor. When we come back, we're going to talk about a piece he wrote about student loans forgiveness. We know that President Biden and his administration tried one way to make this happen didn't work. The Supreme Court struck it down. They think they found another way. We'll talk about that next here on Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley talking with James David Dixon. And James, you wrote about defying the Supreme Court and Congress. President Biden is trying to find another way to forgive $39 billion in student loans. Talk a little bit about that story. Yeah, it's just funny that, you know, within the month of June, both Congress and the Supreme Court said, you know what? We don't like what Biden's doing on these student loans. It's unconstitutional. It's beyond the powers of the president to be appropriating or deciding money, things like this. That's a role of Congress. And so, you know, this is a Congress that can't agree on much of anything. They can't hardly agree on what to order for lunch. And here they were, two houses, one run by Democrats, the House, the Senate run by Democrats, and they were able to both decide that, yeah, Biden had overstepped. And even though he's the president of one of their parties, we had to pull him back. It was important enough to speak with that unified voice. Then the Supreme Court comes and does the same thing. And then right after that, Biden goes through with another form of a student loan forgiveness, a large scale forgiveness, a large scale waiving of debt, which the whole political system. So, you know, we have three branches of government. Two of them have spoken on this, and they said Biden shouldn't do it, and he did it. And there are lawsuits pending on this action. 
I want to talk a little bit about another story that you've been covering, and it kind of got my eye because I have Consumers Energy is my natural gas provider. DTE is the electric uh, provider. And it seems like over the last several years, DTE has uh, been in the news and they've had a lot of challenges uh, with their infrastructure. Talk a little bit about that history and how you write how DTE is choosing politics over energy reliability. Yeah, we had that story about, you know, so DTE, their CEO, Jerry Norcia, he spoke to Michigan lawmakers recently and he admitted to the House Energy Committee that solar and wind are unreliable. You can't always count on them, he said. And then about a week, two weeks later, DTE announces that three years ahead of schedule, it's going to stop burning coal. So they were supposed to stop in 2035. Now it's going to be 2032. There has been no large-scale move to ramp up nuclear in Michigan. So we could very well be walking right into a situation where the energy we rely on, your home, my home, is unreliable. And this is the consensus of official Michigan that we should just jump headlong into this future. What do you think is going to happen? I think they probably will push forward for now. I think depending on who comes to run the state in a few years, this could all change. Because ultimately, it's not really the Public Service Commission. That's our energy regulator. They matter, but only up to a point. Ultimately, it's what Michigan lawmakers and the governor decide to do that matters. And so, you know, if that were to change and energy reliability were to be taken seriously by Michigan's leaders, as opposed to them being serious about dismantling that reliability, they'd have to change course. So, James, tell us, I always like to save a part of a segment for what's coming up. So in the next week to 10 days, we'll talk a little bit about what are going to be the stories we should be looking out for. And by the way, where are we with House Bill 4156? So 4156, it passed out of the House Elections Committee. So now it's headed to the full Michigan House. They would have to pass the full House and the full Senate in identical forms and then be signed by Governor Gretchen Whitmer to enact into law. But because of what we talked about earlier, even if the law were to pass, it wouldn't be enough because it's a constitution level problem, which, and by the way, last year when Prop 2 passed, that cost about $24 million on the pro side, about $8 million against it. So if someone wants to jump into this arena of amending the constitution via a vote of the public, that's a $30 million proposition. What they wanted was a two-vote advantage in each house to be enough to do whatever they want, as it is in most cases. But because of Proposition 2, which Democrats all supported last year, they can't do that. So I find it funny that the people who try to discredit constitutions by saying, well, these are the work product of old white men, and that that is inherently disqualifying, they find themselves trapped not by a measure from the 1890s, but from an amendment from 2022 that they supported themselves. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Anything else coming up in the next week or so that we should be looking out for? Our tip about Prop 2 and how it could affect national popular vote, that came from a reader. We got another reader tip 
about another aspect that makes it unconstitutional that I'm going to be taking on. And also just remind people why we do have an electoral college. I think that history gets forgotten. For folks who are looking for the latest news that affects our state here, an opinion that makes you think, go to michigancapitalconfidential.com. Believe me, you'll be glad you did. James, uh, appreciate you so much. We'll talk again soon. Hey, thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. This has been Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. We'll see you next time.